All right. Hello. Let's do it. Welcome to another edition of Raising Hell in Jersey. I'm your host, Jake Wakely, and tonight we have, uh, he's usually a known guest on the podcast. We have Alex from the Hockey Writers. Alex, how you doing tonight, buddy? Pretty good. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing a lot better than the Yankees are doing in the baseball game, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, uh, well, I'm, I'm not a Yankees fan. What's the score there? Uh, it was 2 nothing Atlanta when I came in to set up for this, so. No. I know you're yeah, a Cubs Yeah, still the same score, you're Cubs, yeah. You're a Cubs fan, I know. Yeah, they're losing 2 nothing to the Mets right now, so, you know. We're both, both our teams are losing. All right, so where do you want to, where do you want to start? I know we usually like to do this in order. It's just the two of us tonight, so we obviously we won't have anybody trying to talk over anybody or anything like that, trying to get them what they want to say, so. Uh, I don't know. Where, where do you think would be a good place to start? I mean, we, I, I definitely want to talk about some 2021 draft stuff, but that'd probably be better for later in the show. Yeah, I think let's, let's start with the game last night. Yeah, I think that's a good place to start. So, huh, where, where to begin? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that was a wild one last night. Um, like, I don't even know what to say. It's not often you see a team go down 6 nothing and the game becomes competitive at one point. I mean, that was one of the wildest games I've ever seen. Yeah, I think, like, I, I turned it on because, you know, as a fan, I, I'll i tune into every game if, I, if I'm home. So I turned it on and bang just like that it was one nothing then it was two nothing and then that awful goal from center ice which i mean i play goalie it happens like the hits a bad bounce it curves the other way on a long shot they happen it's not gonna be the last time it happens either to a goalie um it was a bad goal um i think like you said on twitter these are reasons why scott wedgwood has played most of his career in the ahl I yeah, that. but and then it was four nothing, and then I like I remember my wife looks at me and she goes, "Are you still gonna watch this?" I'm like, <laughs> "Honestly, I'm just." She's like, "Your team stinks. They're so bad, Jake." She's like, "I can't remember them being this bad since we've since I've met you." I'm like, "Well, I'm like they're really bad in like 2017, and then 2019 is bad." But I'm like, "Yeah, this was." This is beyond, like, anything I, I've seen with this team. Like, they've been bad, but this is really extremely bad. But it's not all bad because, like they're, like we've said, their average age is, like, 22.5, somewhere around there. And I got a lot of kids, like, that are up and coming. Like, we, we now know that Sharon Govich is probably going to be a big part of this team moving forward if, if the Devils – protect him which i assume they will that's going to be a tricky one coming up for them who are they going to protect who they going to unprotect we can get into that in a little bit but i shut the i'm not going to lie to you i shut the game off when it was five nothing because i'm like you half the time you know we'll put on twitter all right five nothing or five one stick a fork in this one and then it was six nothing, and I was like, "Okay, well, it's definitely done now because the second period just started. It's already six nothing." And then I seen it was six one, six two, six three, and I'm going, "Okay, three goals pretty quick." And then Crosby scored, and then it was seven four, seven five. I turned it on to see Nolan Foot's first NHL goal, so I did not miss that. And then andreas johnson of all ways to score <laughs> scores from behind the goal line and apparently he had a golden chance just before that that he missed but i don't know what's more like a positive out of it like if the devils played every game with just the third period they'd be great because yeah i mean it's like that's the only period they show up to play but, yeah, like Lindy should just tell the team before the game, like, all right, this is the first period, but just play like play like you're down five nothing. Just I don't know, like for what even we saw they lost all four games against the Rangers, but like even against the Rangers, they did it a couple times where they were down three nothing and they brought the game back within one goal and they even tied it up in the last game against the Rangers. Um, I, I thought last night 
wasn't really like I didn't think they played that awfully to be down for nothing after one period. I thought Scott Wedgwood was really just absolutely awful in the first period, and Aaron Dell wasn't much better when he came in. But yeah, I think a large part of that loss last night was the goaltendings. I didn't really think the Devils were that bad um, to be down six nothing at any point. I mean, Lindy Ruff even said it in his post game press conference, like flat out, we need better goaltending. You know, we're going to make mistakes, he said. Like, you can't avoid them. And not all those mistakes have to end up as goals. Like, the goalies have to make saves at some point, too. So I think that was a probably a really big reason why that game looked so ugly through the first two periods. Yeah, and, you know, he's you could tell last night during his postgame that he's the frustrationist coach. But with the team and, you know, how they're playing – like in just like in certain stretches, um, I applaud him because he says, you know, this team never quits. They're young guys; they gotta learn. They gotta get better. It'll happen, right? Which is right. But are you surprised? Because we've known him from when he was in Buffalo and in post games, that if his team stunk or would let in five, six, seven goals, he'd blow up basically in the media when he was talking and he'd get very, very frustrated and he was he's never afraid to voice his opinion. Are you surprised that we haven't seen him get kind of fired up in a post game yet? Uh not really, because like everybody on this team is like twenty one years old, so I don't think that would really benefit anyone. Like if it was a bunch of players, you know, who are like still Kyle Palmieri and PK Subban's age, just like, you know, that was still the makeup of the team. You could probably be a little, I guess, harsher with them in the, you know, in your press conferences and whenever you're doing media stuff. But I mean, I mean, the team is so young. Like, I think he knows, like, this is going to be part of the process with the team that's this young. I mean, their captain is 22 years old and he's like the oldest forward they have right now, which is insane. So, you you know, I I think he just, he knows, like, he's got to be patient because there's going to be a lot of growing pains with the team this young and, like, they're going to have nights like they did last night where they're getting killed. I'm, they're not going to be getting killed 6 nothing every night, but they're going to have nights where they're, they're not playing well. And then, you know, he even said it in his post game too. Like, I love the fight in this team. Like, they, they never quit even when they were down 6 nothing. I mean, they even had a chance to tie that game up in the final minute of the uh, uh, regulations. So I'm not surprised that he's not – like, I don't think it would benefit him to just go out there – in a press conference and just start like hurling insults like this guy sucks and this guy sucks like it just doesn't make sense with a team that's this young like it's probably detrimental to them and you know they lost and you know we're not you and I aren't gonna sit here and beat around the bush and deny it but there's probably the majority of the games coming up the stretches they have like I know they played Boston very well and stuff like that but Boston's starting to you know, Boston's also a different team now than yeah. the last, like, four or five times that they played the Devils. And I'm expecting when the Devils roll into Boston that, you know, maybe they, they play well against them, so we'll see. But I'm expecting the Bruins to be a lot different when the Devils go to play them. And the same with the Flyers and the Islanders, who they've just struggled against. Like, they're not going to get a – there's not going to be a lot of wins here in the – final stretch of the season here. I think fans need to expect a lot of losses. Yeah. Hard compete level, but there's going to be a lot of losses. Like you're going to see quite a few games, maybe where they're down two, nothing and three, nothing, you know, either quickly or halfway through a second period, they're going to be down three, nothing. Cause like, they just don't have a lot of offense right now on the team. Besides like last night, you know, you saw a nice stretch there, but Pittsburgh's defense also is sometimes isn't the greatest. They have, like, very uh, big mental breakdowns and stuff. And, they like, you put pressure on their defensive speed, then you basically have them beat. But I think also, like, last night can go – like, they lost. But the fact that they almost came back from being down 6 nothing, and they made it a game, that goes a long way for a young team in building confidence. So I think fans have to look at that as a positive moving forward. I had somebody ask me last night, hey, Jake, do you actually messaged me 
Uh, one of the guys actually was a listener of, of this podcast. He goes, Jake, do you think the losing so much is going to affect uh, Jack Hughes when he goes to sign his, a new contract? And same with Ty Smith. Are they going to get so sick of losing that they're just going to say, you know what, I'm just going to sign enough short term just to get me the unrestricted free agency and then I'm out or I'm going to ask for a trade. Somebody said, would Jack ask for a trade to go play with his brother? And I'm like, it's too early to tell with that. I think he knows that he's a big part of this future moving forward. He probably realizes how good this team might actually be. But I said, it's actually a pretty decent question. I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, they're probably going to lock him up probably to a seven or eight year contract. I can't see them going. F- I wouldn't even go five years. I wouldn't even hesitate. I'd just lock him up seven or eight years. And then it's done with like you did with Heisher. But I said, you can also tell with his frustration when he's doing post game interviews now that you can tell the frustration starting to wear on Jack Hughes, even though he's been, he's been performing at a very good level. Like, I mean, he's already at 10 goals. Like you said, He'd be on pace basically for around 82 games, but we're sharing Govich's for 20, yeah. 25 goals around that range. And he probably would have more goals and more points if he actually had a shooter on his line. But Sharon Govich is that shooter. And Kokonen's kind of like the guy who goes in the corner and he drives like the – goes in the hard areas. But, you know, maybe another playmaker, another sniper opposite each side of him, and then he's just setting guys up left and right. So, but – that that wolf that'll come more in the future when Holtz and you know whether it's Brat or Foot or whoever are playing on their wing or if they draft somebody, but it's gonna come. Like it's just people got to be patient. Like two three years, that's and they have so much cap space. So with the expansion draft, like you know we've said it before in previous episodes, they have so and we said it last summer I believe too. They have so much flexibility. It's not even funny. They could take the they could take the league by storm this summer, and nobody could even challenge them for anything. The money they throw around if they decide to do that, like they can acquire a nice player for a half decent piece or a pick that no other team is going to be able to do it because they're they're stuck up against the cap. Yeah, I think that's really important to note. You know, once the season ends here in like what three weeks, that like. Once we start shifting to off-season kind of stuff, like the Devils got a lot of assets to work with, you know, as far as trying to improve the roster. I mean, it's not just the cap space. They got 10 picks in the 2022 draft and then eight in this draft, I believe. So they got 18 over the next two. You know, I mean, we've seen them use all their picks at drafts before, but, you know, I think now maybe it's kind of the time to start trading some of those picks away. Maybe not the higher ones, but, you know, as part of the package, you know, with prospects and stuff, you start trading some of these picks for guys that can help uh, play on the NHL roster right away. Because, like, they got some good young pieces on this team. But, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't think you can go into next season with a forward group that's just, you know, a bunch of 21, 22 years old. 22-year-olds. I think you got to have some veterans there. Um, I'm not saying go get a bunch of 30-year-olds, but, like, you know, there's a guy like Connor not even like yeah but like even like you know earlier in the season there was like rumors of the coyotes were trying to maybe move connor garland for kind of a package because they have like they have no draft picks because of the whole chaco thing and then you know they they have no high picks and their draft assets are not really that great so you know there was rumors that they can move connor garland and a guy like him would be a really good fit to play alongside either nico heischer or uh Jack Hughes, he's only 24 now, I think, and probably be 25 when next season starts. So it's like the perfect kind of guy that you would want to add to your roster and he can score. Um, you know, and then like you mentioned the expansion draft too. Like, you know, there's going to be some teams that they're going to have some tough decisions to make, uh, you know, regarding who they want to protect and who they want to expose to Seattle. And like a team like Colorado, you know, on defense, like what are they going to do? Like Eric Johnson and, uh, Samuel Gerard, you know, that's easy decision to protect those guys. And I would think that they'd want to protect Devin Taves too, but then that would leave Ryan Graves exposed. So like, do they just, you know, would they be okay just losing Graves to, for nothing to Seattle? I would probably 
I would think not, and he'd be a really good fit to target or a really good target for uh, Fitzgerald this offseason to kind of help improve the blue line. He's a big dude. He's like 6'5", and he can move the puck. It's like they're, they're going to have options to to you know improve this roster. The free agency class is not great, but like I was looking at the goalie class, and it's it's really deep. It's a lot better than last year's class that had Corey Crawford and Hudobin. I mean, and we've been watching these games recently, and you know Blackwood struggled, but like anyone who comes in after him or you know plays in another start just has been awful. I mean, we saw last night Wedgwood and Dell are just they're not up to it. And like you can't go into next season again without having no. a, a proven starter behind Blackwood. Like you got to go. Like Halak is probably going to be a free agent this summer. And it depends what happens with Tuka Rask, but. You know, the, the Bruins are – they got Jeremy Swayman there. They got Vladar. I mean, if Tuka Rask comes back, they could go with Swayman as his backup. So, Halak will probably be out there. Antti Ranta, James Reimer. I mean, there's some really good guys that they could get as a 1B to Blackwood. And I think that that's got to be a, one of the top priorities for, for Fitzgerald. And I think he knows it. I mean, he, he did last offseason go for Corey Crawford, and things just didn't work out. But I think he – I mean, he's watching the games, and I'm sure he knows that goaltending has been a problem. So I would think that's something they're going to address. Yeah, and, you know, I, I was on Neil's podcast there on the weekend, I believe, or Friday, last Friday. So about yeah. ago. And we were talking about, you know, the Devils need to add a goaltender in the offseason. And then he mentioned Freddie Anderson, and then I kind of shot it down because I was like, well, it's not a bad idea because – but I'm like, Freddie's making 5.5, and he's probably going to make about the same amount because somebody's still going to pay him to be a number one goaltender because, I mean, he still is a number one goaltender. But the problem I said to Neil with signing Freddie Anderson is if if he is going to go to be a 1A, 1B with somebody and be a veteran to help the like a young guy like Block would learn, I'm like, can he stay healthy? Yeah. And what Freddie Anderson are you getting? It's not the same Freddie – like. When Freddie Anderson, we agree. When Freddie Anderson's on, he's probably one of the top goalies in the NHL, and he's a very underrated goalie when he's on. He doesn't get enough credit even when he's in Toronto. But the problem with Freddie Anderson is, is if he takes the net and say you make the playoffs, the problem is come playoff time with Freddie Anderson, you don't know what Freddie Anderson you're getting in the playoffs. Anymore. Yeah, the, yeah, like, and I think you brought up a good point about his health, like. Injuries have kind of been a problem for him, you know, lately. Um, I mean, this season he's – I mean, he's missed what? I think a good – at least half of their games, right, something like that. Um, and Jack Campbell's kind of, like, overtaken him as a starter uh, lately because he's been playing so well and, you know, Freddie's hurt. And, like, I think that's kind of the issue with trying to – and I was on Neil's podcast last week about the same time as you maybe a couple days before, and he brought up Freddie Anderson to me too and, like, I mentioned the same thing. Like, I think his health is too much of an issue. Like, if you bring him in to back up Blackwood and he gets hurt, you're just going to kind of be in the same situation you're in right now. Unless you think you have someone in Binghamton who can step up and try to help, uh, you know, I guess play as, like, your third goalie. Whether no, it's, I don't think we do. Yeah, looking at what's going on in Binghamton right now, I would probably say no also. So, like, and like you said, too, I think Freddie's – I don't know if he's ready to kind of like accept just being a backup at this point. I would think he would want to go and take starter money from some team. It'll be interesting what to see if any team can offer him that kind of money, given the whole financial environment because uh, of COVID. But yeah, I think there are better options than him to get as a 1B to Blackwood. I mean, the Halak made a lot of sense last year. It'd make a lot of sense if he's out there again. Um, I know the Devils like Anti Ranta. They had talked about acquiring him, I think, not too long ago. Um, so you know he'll be a free agent, and he's familiar with the market, and he played for the Rangers for a while, so he could be back. Uh, I would think coming to New Jersey wouldn't be the worst thing. So yeah, they definitely got to address it. I mean, you just—I mean, you could hear the frustration and. Lindy's voice last night when he talked about the goaltending and like, cause they cost them that game last night. There's, there's no way they were going to, even, even those as impressive as it was that they came back, there was no way they were going to win that game. No. And like when your goaltending is putting you that far down in a hole, 
early in games when you're down three, four, nothing in the first period. I mean, it's just, that's what drives frustration and, you know, it kills your morale. Like you, you just get down in the dumps and it affects your team play. Like if you're not confident in your goalie, you're playing tighter because you don't want to make mistakes and that leads to more mistakes. It's a whole trickle down effect. And so they got to get that sorted out. Yeah. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. Like they need, and you can tell because it's not that I don't think Blackwood's like he struggled, but I don't think it's all his fault. Like the defense on this team is absolutely horrendous. Yeah, I think it goes both ways. Like the, the he has struggled, but yeah, like he's he's definitely not playing to the capability he has. But like there's been, I think most what's killed them really is the penalty kill. I mean, they just they give up too many quality chances on the penalty kill. I think that's a big reason why he's struggling. I don't think it's been as much an issue at 5-on-5, five five, though it hasn't been great there either. But I think you look at some of their numbers on the penalty kill, and it's been rough. And how do you – and, like, how do you how do you go about giving him a break? Because, like, whoever you're putting in net, whether it's Dell or Wedgwood, it ain't really giving them a break because they stink. <laughs> yeah, that's – that. see, that's the problem right now. And I, maybe – I mean, wins – I know people want to see maybe some wins here at the end of the season, but, like, at this point, I think winning is doesn't not... – Yeah, it doesn't benefit no. them as much as losing. Is If you want to get a top – if you really want to lock yourself into a top five, potentially top three pick for this draft, yeah. you know, winning games here is not really going to help you. And, like, Todd Cordell mentioned it in his post this morning about the recap of last night's game. He's like, that's basically a best-case scenario, like, you lose the game, but the kids played really, really well, and they fought, and they came back and made it competitive in the third period. And I think that's kind of what you want to see. You, and you had mentioned it at the start of the show. Like, that's what you want to see to close out the season is, just some all right, whatever. They lose some games or whatever, but, like, you know, as long as they're not losing 6 nothing like that every night, you know, if they're losing, like, 4-3, two, three, five, four, you know, they're competitive in these games and they're scoring and, like, they're showing signs that they can turn this around. I think that's really what you want to take away from the rest of the season is, like, are these young kids competing? Are they producing? Are they, you know, making these games watchable? Is there some signs of hope? And I think there is because, you know, they're a better team at five on five. It's really their special teams has killed them this year. And, you know, I think last night was a little bit of an example of, you know, some bad goaltending. Seems like they're starting to fi- finish a little more now. Um, they got six goals last night. They scored three goals against the Rangers a couple times. So maybe their offense is starting to come around a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I think that's that's the kind of stuff you want to see now. It's not really about wins and losses at this point. If you want to see progress, it's about how these young kids are playing. Yeah, I just want to see them grow a bit and improve and see how they're handling certain situations, et cetera, <laughs> stuff like that, which – but and you know it, it's always hard for me because you know you know Joe and I talk a lot behind the scenes and stuff and like what we're gonna plan for next episode and we talk about the games and Joe's always been a, a preacher and an advocate to uh, don't purposely tank I don't he doesn't agree with it but I kind of got him I he said to me last night this is like it's a lot easier this year than it was with like the. 16 17 devils and stuff like that he is fully i got him going on embrace the tank oh wow what made you uh turn him around on that i kept telling him because i told him i said the best thing for this team if they want to address their defense is to tank because chances are in the top four or the top five you're gonna see Power, Simon Edmondson, Luke Hughes, Brant Clark. Yeah. Probably go in the top five, top six. Yeah, I would imagine. The only wild card there might be Detroit, who might take the goaltender, but that's we'll get into that when we start talking about the draft. Yeah. If they don't, I said to him, I'm like, can New Jersey really lose in this situation? Like, he's like, well, yeah, they they can. I'm like, how? And he tried to explain to me. I'm like, Joe, they can't lose. I'm like, because if they land Owen Power, Luke Hughes, Brant Clark, or Simon Edmondson, 
they're they're addressing a top either they're either getting a top four or a top two defenseman to pair with Ty Smith for the core of the defense for the future. And that's a win-win for this team because they need defense. If they add a Kent Johnson or a William Eklund or a Dylan Gunther, well, guess what? They just found their left winger or their right winger for their top six to build an even more lethal top six or Matt Beneers because I feel like New Jersey's not going to play him at center because they already got the two centers. They'll probably shift him to wing. But like they can't lose. Like they, re- they they really can't. Yeah, I like if we look at what do they have now? Like the third best odds at getting the first pick, so they're in a top I think three. They, got, they have the second best odds now because they're in second to last. Are they second to last now? Are they in thirty first or thirtieth? They're in thirtieth. Yeah, Buffalo's, Ottawa's past them. Detroit's past them. Anaheim's past them. Oh, all and, right. Buffalo, surprisingly. Columbus, right? Buffalo's three points behind the Devils. All right, that's interesting. So, so we've been at, Joe and I and Jim have been asking ourselves, is it even possible for Buffalo to pass them? Like, is Buffalo even going to pass them, even though they're three points behind them? I mean, Buffalo's been playing better since they uh, put Granado as their coach. They're like 6-4-2 and two in their last 12 games or something like that. Um, thing is, I think Linus Ulmark is out with an injury still, so I don't know, you know, that that could come crashing down at any point. Uh, I I mean, if if, if I asked you right now, would you say yes or no that Buffalo passed the Devils by the end of the season? I mean, if the Devils can't get some goaltending, yeah, I think it's possible. Um, I mean, there's still what, like 12 games left for each team, something around there. It's definitely possible. I, I mean, nobody wants. I mean, it, it, I, given how Buffalo's season's gone, I don't think anybody would really – it wouldn't look good, but, I mean, that probably benefits the Devils a little more. I mean, then you're boosting your draft lottery odds. Um, yeah. And you can – if you go – if Buffalo ends up passing New Jersey, then, you know, that's another – that's a further – how do I put this? That's one less spot you can fall in the lotto. So, like, if they're second, the furthest they can fall is fifth, and they'd probably be in play for a defenseman at that point. Um. So, yeah, I think that, I mean, yeah, I, I don't really see, like, how the Devils could lose in this situation, to be honest. And if uh, passes you, you're basically, you're locked in no matter what to get a defenseman. Yeah, and, like, say the Devils end up winning some games here to close out the season, then... Maybe their draft lottery odds slip a little bit. But, like, even if they do, how far down are they going to go? Like, maybe they get really unlucky in the lottery and, like, three teams pass them, but they'd still be picking, like, sixth or seventh. You'd probably still have a shot at, like, William Eklund at that point or Gunther. I mean, I brought it up last night, but, like, with how goaltending is gone this season, you know, you can't rule out taking Jesper Walstead either. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think this – they're just—they're kind of in a good spot as far as the draft goes, and where they'll end up selecting. I mean, they're gonna—they should get a really good player. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that because they can. <laughs> I mean, you had messaged me on Dylan Gunther, and like I, I went and watched some videos, and then I was listening to Bob McKenzie talk about it, and I'm watching them going, "Oh man, that!" <laughs> as much as there's so many defensemen there, boy, is that kid very tempting to take because he's. He looks like he's going to be a lock to be in the top six for the majority of his career. Yeah, that's the thing, too. It's like he's probably best player available in top five for sure. He could even be best player available in the top three. I mean, he's got an argument to be the best forward in this class. I haven't watched too much of him play, but he's got 12 goals and 12 assists in 12 games, I think, in the WHL last I checked. Um. You know, and he's a little bit of a bigger player. I think right now he's listed at like 6'1", 180 something, 180, 185 maybe. And he's got skill. So it's not like the Devils would be getting some plug, you know, who can't score. I mean, this is a top five pick we're talking about. Um, and like you pair, you draft him and then you have Foot and Mercer and Holtz. I mean, you got so many forwards to build around. You know, eventually you can start trading some of these lesser prospects to help on the back end. So that's that's like another strategy that to think about if you're Tom Fitzgerald. It's like just load up on really skilled forwards, and then eventually you'll have such a surplus that you can trade some of these guys to get a little bit of help on defense. Um, 
Like, I wouldn't just be dead set on taking a defenseman if I were the Devils, unless it was like Luke Hughes. Because when you're taking Luke Hughes, it's a little, it's not really just about drafting Luke. It's a little bit, you know, has to do with Jack, obviously. You want to kind of keep him happy. Um, I guess you could argue that for Brand Clark and Graham Clark a little bit, but it's obviously not the same as Luke and Jack Hughes. So, you know, I wouldn't be dead set on taking a defenseman. Uh, you know, you got to consider William Eklund and Gunther too, because those two guys are really good uh, skill forwards. They can be really good complementary pieces to guys like Nico and Jack in the future. Yeah, and Bob McKenzie even said that, like, he's had some scouts tell him that they see Ken Johnson going to the top three. Yeah, I was reading his thing too. I was a little surprised that the 10 out of 10 scouts had Owen Powers, the number one pick. Uh, I feel like it's not that obvious, but um I can see, yeah I can see why though yeah because he's 6'6 six, six, like 220 pounds already it's, it's... and his his hockey his hockey IQ he's like three steps ahead and he's he's just he's good in his defensive zone and you know his his IQ and he's a big boy and yeah and he skates know, he, well for a guy his size yeah and he's got room for improvement he's got a hell of a shot like Mackenzie's right though he's not Victor Hedman but he's basically a a knockoff of Victor Hedman and Button, I think, nailed it on the head. His hockey IQ is like Pronger. He just doesn't have the meanness that Pronger has. Like, I think Owen Power's going to be – he'll be a stud defenseman in the NHL. But will he be the best one? It, probably. But if there's going to be anyone that makes a case for it, it's probably going to be Luke Hughes. Yeah, I think Luke has a ton of upside because he's – I think he's, like, the youngest player in this draft class. Pretty sure if he was born, like, three days later, he wouldn't even be eligible until next year's draft. So, and um, What's the he had a really good defense. What was that? So Mackenzie pointed out in his uh, in the video that I watched that people have – scouts have him ranked, like, to, as fifth and because they had Edmondson and Gunther tied for second. They couldn't decide who – but they said the only reason Luke is fifth is because there's a knock on his defensive game. Yeah, he's definitely more of an offensive defenseman from the stuff I've read. And I guess you can kind of see that in his point totals with the U.S. NDP and, the, and in the USHL. Um, but I think over time, he'll be able to improve that. I mean, he's a lot bigger than both his brothers. He's already like six foot two. He just really, it's about adding muscle at this point with him. Um, I think he, he probably has more defensive upside than Quinn. Quinn's really he's had a tough year defensively this year. Um, so, I mean, it's really – it's going to be an interesting call. It's tough to say who the Devils would draft now because we just don't know what their exact position is going to be. Like, you can't rule out Simon Edmondson either, even though he's kind of a boom or bust prospect. But, um, yeah, I mean, they, get, they have so many chances to get a defenseman here. I mean, even if they don't. You know, then you settle for Eklund or Gunther. I mean, I'm sure they know Eklund really well since Holt played with him this year. So I'm sure they've had a good idea of what his strengths and weaknesses are. I'm sure they have him scouted pretty well. Um, so we'll see what happens. But it's uh, definitely another chance for them to improve their prospect pool. And it's not like this draft class is, is bad. I mean, people I, – I see people saying that and, like, it's definitely not at the strength of it. it not, it's not as strong as it was last year, but, I mean, there's still some really good players here. I mean, if you get Owen Power, you probably have yourself a top pair of defensemen. Brandt Clark, Luke Hughes have a ton of upside. Edmondson does too if you can kind of straighten them out a little bit. And, you know, I, I just think, you know, I wouldn't listen to the people that say it's a bad draft class. Maybe it's weaker, but there's still a lot of talent here. Yeah, and if I if I came to you and it came down to it and I said Luke Hughes or Brian Clark, which one are you taking? Um that's a good question. Cuz I read that I read the article that you Yeah, from FC Hockey. Yeah, and I I read it and it's pretty tight. It's it's actually I it's a tougher call than I thought it was going to be. I probably would lean more Luke Hughes. More yeah, so I think so keep, also. More so to keep Jack happy, and I think he's going to be the better defenseman. There's just, I think Luke's the better skater. 
yes, Luke's skating is top notch, and I just think Brian Clark just needs to add a bit more speed and awareness to his game. I'm not doubting his ability to jump in off the rush because I think I think he can. I think he he could he could challenge to go number one. I'm not saying he can't, but I just think not a lot of people are giving Luke Hughes enough credit here. Like I watched a video of him. I think I was telling you, and I watched him skate and the way he handles the puck and stuff, and I was just like, damn. And I'm watching it and I'm going. If the Devils draft him, they haven't had a guy skate like this since Niedermeyer. Yeah, his skating is really, really good. And, like, the thing is, too, is he's going to a really good NCAA program in Michigan. I would think – I don't know. I mean, I guess Owen Power could leave, uh, you know, just after his freshman season now if he goes number one overall. But if he doesn't, he will be getting a chance to play with Owen Power and, and Beneers and Kent Johnson and – you know, Bordalo. I mean, that that team is so stacked. Um, he'll be going to a good place to develop, and he'll have a couple of years to do it. He probably, pl- I would imagine, he'd be like Quinn, where he's taken two years at Michigan at least before he comes to the NHL. And that's like another thing I've seen with some fans too about uh, who they should draft with that high pick is like, oh well, you know, if they have the chance to draft Owen Power, they should take him now because he's more NHL ready. But like, it, it's not. I, I mean, if you have the first pick, then, yeah, you should probably take Owen Power. But, like, if Power is still available with you, you know, later on, you got to consider, like, the things, like, who has more upside. It's not really, like, about who can help you right away when you're using that high pick. It's more – you got to think about the long-term thing here, too. Like, if you think Luke Hughes has that much upside um, once he, like, hits his peak or his prime, you know, you got you to gotta go with the guy who has more upside rather than the guy who can help you right away, like – Sure, power could help next season, but like maybe Luke Hughes could help even more two, three years down the road. That's what you have to take into consideration. Yeah, and fans also need to like, you know, if you power does he have he doesn't have any more time at Michigan, does he? If even if he's drafted first. I mean, he's a, I, he's only a freshman at Michigan. I I guess it depends on the team that drafts him. I would think if he goes first overall, he'd probably leave and play in the NHL right away. Even if he doesn't, even if he's like just probably top three pick, I would think he's going to come out and play in the NHL or in, yeah, in the NHL next season. So, okay. Um, On top of that, I actually have a question. I've I've never, I don't think I've really ever asked you this. Yeah. Guys, most guys that get drafted first overall, they're right into the NHL. Yeah. 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 Do you, do, you agree, do you agree with that, or do you think teams should not be afraid to just send them back somewhere? Uh, I think with what we've seen with, like, Jack Hughes, in hindsight, probably would have been a good idea to – I don't know what the path would have been with him, whether if it would have been doing more time in the USHL. I don't think that would have really benefited him, but I don't know, maybe doing some time in Michigan, like his brothers, to, you know, just like as one developmental year. Because it was pretty clear last year, you know, the lack of size was kind of hurting him a little bit. And we saw at the beginning of this season before COVID hit and he lost some of the weight from that, that he was just pretty much dominating. So um, I think it really depends on the prospect. Like Owen Powers, he's already 6'5", 6'6", whatever it is, like 215 pounds. I mean, he's definitely ready to play physically. And he's going to get bigger. yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, how much bigger can he get at this point? The guy's already gigantic. Um, they have to like. It really depends on the prospect. Like, you know, I'm trying to think like Capocacco too. Like, he wasn't the first pick, but in hindsight, you know, maybe him spending another year in Finland would have benefited him or playing in the AHL right away because he had a really tough rookie season too. Um, and then there's cases where, like, Nico Heischer, he comes in and he has a 20-goal, 52-point season as a rookie, and you're like, all right, well, he was clearly ready to play right away. Same thing with, like, Nathan McKinnon and obviously Austin Matthews. Um, it really just depends on the prospect. I mean, most of these – we've kind of, I guess, been spoiled, you know, recently with all these number one overall picks um, just kind of, like, coming in and dominating right away. Like, Connor McDavid, obviously – Matthews, McKinnon, and he sure had really good first years. And then 
You know, in a couple of years, we're going to have Connor Bedard, who's probably just going to come and absolutely dominate the NHL in 2020. I guess, what would that be, 2023? Uh, next year, you got guys like Shane Wright, I think, and Brad Lambert, who could probably play in the NHL right away. So it really just depends on the prospect. Yeah. So, also... I know you brought this up now that we're kind of on draft talk here before we get into, like, trade talk and, like, who yeah. target in the offseason. You mentioned Joseph Wolfstadt, the goalie, on Twitter. Yeah. And I noticed that um, – <laughs> I noticed the nice conversation or debate you and Pucks and Pitchforks had going back and forth on it, which was kind of cool to read. And I know – and I – I was good. That's why I think I messaged. I messaged you about it last night, and I'm like, that's when I said, "Look at this legend here." Because <laughs> all I could think about when you actually when you tweeted that it wasn't actually a bad idea if you draft him to have a one A one B with him and Blackwood because he could end up being better, like you said. I was just all I could think about was Alex was not on board all with Yaroslav Askarov. No. What in the hell happened? What changed your mind? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, so I guess the sim- simple way to put it is that this draft class is a lot different than last year's. Um, the talent that was atop last year's draft class filled perfectly what the Devils needed. Uh, you know, I mean, last year it was stacked with forwards like Lucas Raymond and Marco Rossi and Alexander Holtz. And the Devils really needed players like that. They didn't have them in their system at the time. Um, this year, that's not really the case at all. Even some of these defensemen, you know, I don't think you're getting, like, you're not getting the next Victor Hedman out of this draft class or I guess even Aaron Ekblad. I wouldn't even say you're getting that. Um, like, these guys could all be really good. Um, but there's no one who's like uh, like there's a reason why all these scouting services have a different person as their number one prospect. Like there's no consensus really, I guess unless you ask the NHL scouts. But yeah, it's a different draft class, uh, different year. I still wouldn't take Wallstead with the the first uh, the Devils top pick unless they somehow end up outside the top five. Then maybe you consider it. But he's really good. I mean, I've even seen some people say he could be better than Eskarov. He might be even better pros- prospect than Eskarov. So, like, you got to consider it. And, like, you'll be set with Walstead and Blackwood for a really, really long time. You will not have to worry about goaltending. Uh, Walstead is ridiculous. He's already Lulia's, uh Lulia's starter in the SHL, and they're in the playoffs. And he had a really good season as an 18-year-old. He looked good at the World Juniors, too, in a limited time when he'd step in. Um, to I forget who was their starter, a Sweden starter at the time, but he's a really legit prospect, and you can't like take it off the table. He's, I mean, he's, he's, what, he, he's good. He's really good. Yeah, basically, what you're saying is the Devils have like they're so young, they have so many holes on their team. Like any position really is a win for them. They need basically everything. Yeah, uh, I would center. be. Yeah, I would be surprised if they took Wallstead. I, I, I mean, I think they see Blackwood as their franchise goaltender going forward, and they got some good prospects, you know, as far as goaltending goes. I mean, they used a pretty high pick on uh, Nico Dawes last year. Uh, hasn't played that much this year. He's getting some time in the DEL in Germany, but he, he's got some good upside, and he could be a, a 1B down the road. Uh, Kira Schmidt is having a really nice season in the USHL. After he was uh, struck by injuries last year, he barely played. So they have some good goaltending prospects as it is. Their strategy seems to be right now when it comes to drafting goalies to take one in the later rounds. Um, Somebody was telling me last night, too, there's this goaltender, Sebastian Kosa, who's projected to go at the end of the first round where the Devils have the Islanders pick. So if they want to get a goaltender with a high pick, they could go with Kosa at that pick instead. Um. Yeah, I think, you know, I guess to wrap up, I guess the draft talk, I would think defense is probably going to be their play with uh, wherever they draft in the top five, top six. But, you know, don't rule out Eklund or Gunther either because those two guys are both really good. 
if the devil before I because I have a question about the lottery and then we'll get into like trades and um maybe a little bit of who they might protect in the expansion draft. Yeah. Um so if the devil the devils are pick say the devils are picking first again. Right. And it comes down to it. And Fitzgerald goes up to that mic to announce the pick. So they say it's going to be in person this year. So they say. Not sure how I see that working out, but um, are they going to? You think? Do they announce Owen Power? Or do you think they'll take Luke Hughes first? Uh, man, that's Hit. tough because, like, I think Luke has a case to be the number one pick, even with the. I know he's injured and probably going to be missing some time, even maybe the start of the next uh, college season. Man, I mean, they could use a defenseman who has the size of Owen Power, but there's the whole Jack and Luke thing. It would be a really tough call. Given what Bob McKenzie said about 10 out of 10 scouts thinking that Power is the number one pick, I think the Devils would probably end up taking Owen Power. Yeah, and because the only reason I ask that is is because if they have the choice between power and Hughes, and they take power, do you need? Do you think that's going to bother Jack a little bit? I mean, I guess it it could, but you know, he's got to know. They got to do what they think. Yeah, they got to do what they got to do. Like if they think Owen Power is the best player in this class and they have the first pick they got to take on power like they it would be a really tough decision i don't think fist would just be like all right we're we're taking owen power we don't care about luke they're they're gonna have some hard discussions about that if they're presented with that situation but i yeah. think they would take owen power and i think fitz he's a little different than shiro is in the draft room because he shiro just kind of let the scouts pound the table for who they want and then he would break the tie at the end on who they were going to select. I think we've heard Fitzy say that listen, I'm in those draft meetings and I'll pound the table for who I want as well and have these guys go back and forth and say why this is good and why it's bad which I think is great. That's that's the proper way to do it. Yeah, I agree with you there. So, But my question regarding the lottery so I think I read the lottery's changed this year. So, if Buffalo, New Jersey finished dead last and second last, it's not the top three in the lottery for the top pick anymore. It's just the top two? That's next year's draft. The The lottery for this year is the same as it's been for the last few years. So, like, the Devils could still win the lottery and get the first pick, but starting next year, they will not be able to. And which is a little bit unfortunate because next year's draft class is supposed to be a lot better than this one, but... You also hope they're not in the position where they'd be drafting in the top five next year, too, so maybe it kind of benefits them in that sort of way. Um, If I said to you right now the Devils will stay picking in the top two or they'll drop to four or five, would you say there's more likely chance they're going to drop, or do you think there's more likely a chance they're probably just going to stay right where they are in that range? I think given what we've seen in previous draft lotteries with like Detroit falling from first to fourth last year, there's probably more a chance that they will end up dropping than there is staying at two. Okay. So who would come the expansion? So let's do the expansion first and then we'll get into the trades and then we yeah. can wrap it up. Um, yep. The expansion. Uh, we kind of know who they're probably protecting. But yeah, I think it's going to be pretty straightforward for them. There's only a couple of question marks I can think of. They're probably going to expose PK Subban, I would think. Oh, okay. Maybe it's not going to be as straightforward. <laughs> Maybe a... not. Like, I don't know. Like, would they put him available so they could get rid of his $9 million cap it? See if somebody ta- they take it so they can reach the floor? I was but... going to say, they, they would need to be able to reach the floor then if someone took Subban. Like, yeah. Then... Yeah. So that's, I think they're going to, he hasn't been that bad this year. I think they're going to keep, I think they will protect him. Will they protect Sharon Govich or Miles Wood? Uh, I would think both of them. Who would they, who are they going to expose? Joe and I were having trouble trying to figure this out. So 
Obviously, Nico and Jesper Bratt are protected. Then I would think Kwokunen gets protected. Sharon Govich gets protected. I would Hughes. think Michael McLeod. Hughes doesn't need to be protected. Neither does Ty Smith because they're still in their ELCs. Okay. So I would. they seem to like Michael McLeod a lot, the coaching staff. And he's played well. So I think they will protect him too. I think where the tough decision, and I've already seen this on Twitter, is going to be do they protect Andreas Janssen over Nate Bastian? And for me, I think it's kind of easy. You have to protect Andreas Janssen. You didn't trade for him, you know, just to get rid of him less than a year later. I know he hasn't been great this season, but, like, his underlying numbers are pretty good, and he's gotten really unlucky. Um, I mean, he's had a lot of good chances lately, and, you know, we saw last night he had to fire a puck from behind the net to get a goal, and it finally went in for him. Yeah, I, I think, think I think they will play. protect him, and because the Fitzgerald is seems to be open to using you know his resources with the analytics department. I would think that the analytics department is probably going to be advocating to protect him because he has good underlying numbers this year. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, with like Bastion plays his role really well, and he's a good player, but like he's not irreplaceable. And it's, I'm not saying Johnson is irreplaceable too, but. Johnson, or Janssen, I should say, has more op- offensive upside than Nate Bastion. I mean, he's shown that in his time with the Toronto Maple Leafs. You just got to kind of assume that he's having a down year, just like pretty much everyone on the Devils, and, you know, with a better roster and stuff next year, that he would be able to, I guess, get back to more of his normal scoring pace. I think that's going to be the biggest question mark up front, because I think everything else is pretty straightforward for the most part. So, what did I say? I said Miles Wood, Kokonen. He sure brought... He sure brat Sharon Govich and Janssen, right? That's what yeah. I said. So that would leave Pavel Zaka exposed to. Yeah, maybe it's yeah, it's gonna be tough, I guess. Maybe tougher than I thought. Um so trades. Um, is it is Matt Dumba a guy that the devils could look at? Uh yeah, I was who's I can't remember who I was talking about this with. Uh but yeah, I think Dumba, he's not – he's like your prototypical offensive defenseman. You're not going to be acquiring him to play like top pair minutes in a shutdown role. That's not his game. But Who's, given how he plays, he's really great in transition. He's a good puck-moving defenseman. He seems like someone who would fit really well in Lindy Ruff's system. Uh, just, you know, he wants to play high pace kind of move the puck up the ice quickly kind of game. So I could see them targeting him to be like a second pair defenseman who can play on the power play and in offensive situations because I feel like that'd be a strength of his in this system. Um, okay. So we've, we've agreed and, you know, you and I have talked on Twitter and behind the scenes, uh, the devils need, they need a score, and it can't just be Alexander Holtz when he comes because even if he does play next year, he's probably not going to make the uh, the big impact just yet. You might have to wait till like, 2022, 2023 yeah. before he finally starts settling in. Who is a good scorer that the Devils should like to acquire? Like Nikolai Ehlers, maybe? Yeah, I love Nikolai Ehlers. Um I don't know. We know who Neil wants. (laughs) I'm going to bring him up. Don't worry. Um, Yeah, Nikola Ehlers, I've always really liked his game. I don't know why his name always seems to come up in the rumor mill, but he's a really, really good player. And he's still, I feel like he's been in the league forever, but he's still only like 25, 26 years old. Uh, I mean, he's a top line scorer. He produces like a top line winger. He's a good two way player, too. It's not just offense with him. Uh, I think his contract is pretty decent, too. I think he's making, well, like, $6 million a year for, like, the next few years. Uh, yeah, he's, like, the ideal trade target. And if you're going to use that extra first-round pick you got in the Palmieri deal to acquire a goal scorer. Nikola Ehlers is the type of player you want to target with that pick. Um, I mean, he's just perfect for what the Devils are trying to do. I mean, you saw him on the top line with Jack Hughes next season and – I mean, I like the way Sharon Govich has played with Hughes. I mean, if you got a top line with uh, Ehlers, um, 
Hughes and Cherengovich next year, at least to start things out, you're going to probably be able to generate some offense there. Uh, I mentioned Connor Garland before, too. Definitely probably – I would imagine he's not going to be as expensive as Ehler, but he's a really solid player, too. Budding uh, top six score, I think he would be a really good fit alongside either Jack or Nico. Um, and then, of course, you know, you kind of mentioned it before, who Neil wants. I would stay away from line A. Um, he's a, it's, it's honestly like the skating's good and he's got a hell of a shot. And it's basically like, you want to know what Liney literally, Liney literally reminds me of like Alex Kovalev. Literally reminds me exactly like Alex Kovalev and maybe a bit like Kovalchuk. I was, yeah, Kovalchuk is a pretty good comparison because Kovalchuk just the game off the puck. You know, was awful, but yeah, especially before he got to the Devils with the Thrashers, it was just non-existent. And then and Line is kind of like that when he wanted to turn it on. When he wanted to turn it on, he was excellent. Yeah, and like we even saw. Yeah, go ahead. He is the type of goal scorer though this team needs. Like if you had on the right side, you had Line and Holtz for the foreseeable future. You're going. I mean, okay, like that's. That's nice, but and I'm sure the Devils could find a way to acquire him without giving up Holtz. I don't think they're going to give him up, even if it is for Line. Um, but you know, Neil mentioned obviously Goudreau, but I'm only acquiring Goudreau if he signed an extension. I don't care. Yeah, he only has a year left on his deal, not, so like I'm not touching that unless there's an extension. The yeah, a hundred percent agree there. There's you got to have a sort of a sign and trade kind and of the, deal there. The other two, I. I I I'd still call Vancouver and talk about Besser because he was shopped around last off season. I don't care what Jim Benning says. Yeah, um, I mean Van- they, Vancouver they keep. Them. Yeah, Vancouver keeps signing people to bad contracts, and eventually it's going to cost them a player like Besser. Um, so I mean, if he's available again this off season, yeah, you definitely got to go. Uh, give it a look because he's. Got the shot. He's not a line A type shooter, but he's got the shot. He, I mean, yeah, he would play against alongside Jack Hughes, no doubt. Um, uh, even Nico Heischer, and he probably won't cost as much as line A. I mean, the thing with line A is like Yarmo gave up a lot to get him. He's not going to give him up for a little. So, and I just don't think line A. I mean, yeah, he's really good at shooting the puck, but like. When he's not shooting the puck, he's not good. He's not a good player, and he's not really shooting and scoring this season with Columbus. He's just having a just a bad season altogether. Um, I, there's just too many red flags with Line A. Like, you have to know if you're acquiring him. You have to know the risks you're taking on. Like, if the goals are not there, then you're gonna have some problems with him on the ice because he doesn't play defense. He's not really good off the puck offensively either. Um, I think it's just too much risk and. For the Devils, they need something a little more – I don't want to say safe because that makes it sound like they're going for a player who's just kind of like, eh. But, like, someone like Connor Garland would be safer in the sense of, like, you know what you're getting from him. And I guess you could say the same about Besser. Like, you know what you're getting from these two players. Like, they're consistent and they're going to score for you more often than not. Where Line A is just like these wild roller coasters where you don't really know what you're getting from him. Will Line be in Columbus next season? Yeah, I can't see. That's tough because they're having an awful season and maybe Yarmo just wants to reset things there and I guess do maybe a bit of a retool and Line is one of the best assets he has. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think he just wants to give up on him after you know half a season. My guess there would be that Tortorella is done after this season and they – get a new coach in there. I think Bruce Boudreau would be a really good fit for them. And, Max, and they kind of try to build around line A. Yeah, Max Domi's been getting scratched. Yeah, that. I mean, that's another one too. Yeah, I forgot about that. It's a, I'm pretty sure Yarmo, you know, he just acquired him too. I don't think Yarmo wants to give up on these two guys after just one season. So, yeah, um, I would think more likely Tortorella is done there. Okay, last, last one. Um Listen, they're 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 gonna be contenders, labeled yeah. contenders for for a while. But um, if they don't get out of the first round or get past the, even the second round, um, this year, 
Um, is it safe to say after this playoffs, if it doesn't happen, that the Toronto Maple Leafs got to shake up something? Yeah. Like Nylander? It's... Like, I know his contract is more affordable, but I feel like he'd be the easier guy to move because of his contract than it would be to even move Mitch Marner because, I mean, any team would take Mitch Marner, but who wants to pay $10.9 million for him either, right? Yeah, exactly. And especially, Nylander... Especially yeah, go now. ahead. Yeah, exactly. Like, in this financial in- environment, what team... I mean, the Devils are one of the few teams who could take on a contract like that, but, like, do they want to give up the assets too that it would cost to give up Marner? Like, you're not getting Marner if, without giving up, like, Alexander Holtz. That's just not happening. So, and I think they want to build around a guy like Holtz. You know, they, he's a little... He's, he's going to be, like, at least five years younger than Marner at this point. Yeah. Um. As for Nylander, I mean, he's making, what, $6 million a year for the next few years, right? So that, that contract's not terrible. And I guess we could tie this into the Devils, but, like, yeah, let's say the Leafs get knocked out in the first round again, which I don't see them losing to the Canadians if that's the case. But let's say it happens and they decide to shake things up and Nylander's available. I mean, Tom Fitzgerald has already dealt with Dubas. You know, he made the Janssen trade. You call him right away and be like, listen, let's talk. What do you want for Nylander? Because he is, I think he's one of the more underrated players in this league. I don't know if it's just Toronto media that just like to take a crap on him, but he's a really good player. And like, if the Devils got him and you stick him on the first line with Jesper Bratt and Jack Hughes, I mean, that is, you have the potential to have one of the best first lines in the league moving forward with those three guys there. I mean, Nylander. Is a really, really good player. I don't care what anyone says. I think from the guys we've mentioned as far as trade targets here, I would have him above uh, Nikola Ehlers. Like, I think Nylander is that good a player. And in this system with Lindy Ruff playing a high uh, pace, you know, up-tempo offensive system, I think Nylander could really shine with guys like Jack Hughes and Jesper Brad or Nico Heischer as his line mates. I think that would be a really good fit. It would be expensive to get him. But you have an extra first-round pick. You have a good prospect pool. I mean, I think there'd probably be a path to making it work without having to give up Alexander Holtz. Uh, what would it have? What would they have to give up for Nylander? Yeah. What What would you think? I would think that that extra first-round pick, for sure. Like, no question about it. You got to. That's going to Toronto. Um, you'd have to give up a really good prospect. Uh, what do the Leafs think of someone of like Jesper Boquist? Do they think he can be more than he's shown um, in New Jersey so far? I mean, he was a top prospect for a while. If not, I think you would probably have to part with someone like Dawson Mercer. Um, and then maybe like a lesser a depth player. I'm trying to think. Like, and then there probably would have to be a, a first of a prospect of Dawson Mercer's caliber. And then maybe like a NHL roster player who's like a middle six kind of guy. Um, the Leafs, the thing with the Leafs is like they can't really take on too much money because they're already tight on the cap as it is, and they've been using LTIR for yeah. a while to to get. So like they can't take on that much money. So I would think it's it would probably be a pretty heavy futures package that would go back to the Leafs. I don't think you'd be seeing too many NHL players in return, but yeah, extra first round pick and a top prospect, and then if. You can throw in, like, a cheap depth player. Um, that would probably work. If not, you probably have to throw in a couple more prospects or some more picks. But it wouldn't be cheap, that's for sure. Yeah, and we don't want it. We don't want to see Dawson Mercer go, but no offense. I'm giving him up all day if it means getting Nylander. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, before we wrap it up, Alex, you know, as we always like to do on here, um, anything you have in the works coming out here soon? Uh, nothing for the next couple of days. Um, uh, you know, I'll be watching the Penguins series, or the rest of it, see how that goes. Maybe I'll have something written up there. Uh, definitely will be keeping an eye on Binghamton's schedule this weekend. And when Alexander Holtz uh, makes his first appearance, definitely want to write that up. So nothing coming up for the next couple of days, but I definitely will have stuff to begin next week. Um, kind of looking back a little bit on the Penguin series, not too much, and then some stuff on Alexander Holtz and how he does start off in Binghamton. His first game Saturday, right? He's eligible to practice Saturday. Does I don't know, does Binghamton, they usually play on Saturdays. Do they have a, a game on Saturday this week? 
I think so. It's either Saturday or Sunday. I know that. Yeah, so he'll probably be making his debut this weekend one way or another. Okay. All right, Alex, so thanks for coming on. And I'm sure we'll do this again soon. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and, uh, you know, as we always like to say, let's go Devils. Let's go Devils. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes.